This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. Well, everyone acknowledges that it's unfair to shutter non-essential businesses in Toronto and Peel while big box stores remain open. Well, now a group is asking the Ford government to lift the restrictions and it argues that in addition to being unfair, they are also ineffective. Now, this group is suggesting, it's a group of retailers that includes Leon's, Hudson's Bay, um, uh, Indigo Books and Music, and even Canadian Tire, which is also open. Uh, so this group is suggesting that maybe the province could cap shoppers at 25% of capacity to maintain safety. Now, uh, it's interesting because the premier dismissed the request yesterday saying that he has to listen to medical advice. Uh, but the question for these store owners is what is the evidence that their closures are based on? What do you think? 416-360-0740, toll free 1-866-744-740. And right now joining me, Heather Reisman, CEO and uh, Chief Executive of Indigo Books and Music. Hello, Heather. Hi, how, how are you? Fine, how are you? I'm good. So uh, what are you saying to the government? So, I mean, the first thing we're saying, of course, is we fully appreciate the medical issue. Like, that is number one. And if anybody cares about it, it's retailers who have had to operate and keep staff and customers safe all this time. So health for sure, is first. Our issue is with the strategy to address the the health issue. And it is because there is lots of um, uh, data that suggests it is not shoppers that create the problem. And in fact, pushing more and more shoppers into fewer and fewer stores could exacerbate rather than help the problem. The important issue is to keep staff safe. The spread, if spread is coming from anywhere, it is not from shoppers. And in fact, retail in total accounts for less than 1%. It accounts for between 0.3 and 0.9% of any spread of the virus. And that, by the way, is the government's own data. So shoppers are not creating the spread. And retail in total, so we're talking about retail here, not uh, other places people congregate, retail is not where it happens. What is important and where the risk is in retail is with staff and the importance of keeping staff very safe. And the reason is shoppers should come in for the shortest time as possible and then leave. And the more they can shop close to home, the better and not having them wait in long lines to get into ever fewer stores. So important for them to 
follow all the guidelines, the mask, etc., and to keep staff very safe. A couple and there are protocols, and it is not in re- And we have been, you know, we have all of us very, very few cases because we are so careful. Um, a happening. couple, a couple of questions. Mm-hmm. So um, you seem to have an ally in Mississauga Mayor Bonnie Crombie who pushed back against mm-hmm. the premier yesterday. She said, "You've got to find a way." to level the playing field. And, and what's happening in some other jurisdictions is uh, they're uh, allowing big boxes to open for essential goods, but they're not allowing them to sell anything else. Now, the premier has said he's a business guy and he's talked to the CEO of Walmart or whoever, and they say it's just not practical to do that because of skew numbers in different places. Now, you're a business person. Do you buy that? Okay, so um, I, I, I will say in total... Um, we should focus on the health issue and not. But I, I think, and I, I, I want to be respectful of the Premier here, he could get that answer from the CEO of Walmart. Do they not think that all the rest of us, he's concerned about his supply chain and what he does with his inventory. Well, how about the inventory for all the stores that are fully closed? Believe me, there are inventory issues. The notion that any retailer couldn't block off a section, look, that just that just isn't the case. Perhaps... Perhaps the Premier didn't hear it quite right. I don't want to disparage anybody, but that is not a credible argument at all. But I don't think the issue is what gets shut down, what sections get shut down, although that would feel more fair. I think the point is, if you force more and more customers to shop in fewer and fewer stores, you're actually increasing the risk for the staff in those stores. And you are increasing the risk by by extension to uh, to other people in the community. So we need a strategy that, first of all, does not unfairly and without science uh, negatively impact in a very significant way hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of retailers. I mean, the costs are really outrageous at this time of year. So we need a strategy that keeps people safe, but that is right. And this strategy is just not the right strategy. It's not great for the people working in those few stores that are open. It is not great for the uh, protecting the spread, and it is devastating for all the businesses that are being harmed. It's, so uh, we're, we're, I, I just want to keep making the point, lest it gets lost, we are completely respectful of the health issue and of the Premier and the challenges he faced. But we think that the the Recent science needs to be looked at, and if I could, there are just let me moment. let me just interject, yeah. Heather, because sure. I do have a couple of uh, questions and and points to make, and it was interesting to of me that <laughs> yesterday uh, the premier for the first time said, "Hey, it's better to have people in a one stop." shop than going to many places. Now, that's the first time I ever heard that. And and after we get off the line with you, we are going to be talking to an epidemiologist about that. Mm-hmm. And I think there is not evidence for that. Oh. Um, and I know that, you know, when, when I go shopping at the corner, the line is outside and, and by the time you get in, there are two people in and you're not in there for 15 minutes. Exactly. Well, um, Thank you for being so thoughtful, honestly, with your questions and with your research. That is exactly, I have been talking to epidemiologists all week, and while we don't want this to be uh, one doctor against another, let me just say that I think 
the sources we've been going to are significant. And, you know, the data keeps changing, and this is why I'm respectful of the challenge that the Premier has. Yesterday, um, one of his um, colleagues um, referenced a study that was done at York. The issue is that that study was done based on the lockdown that happened the first time, and so much more is known now than then. That was before masks were mandatory. And by the way, we are learning that a certain kind of mask is better than others. And so um, I, I think it's wise that you are, and, and on behalf of retailers, we're grateful to you. Well, we're also going to be talking to the author of that study um, a little later on in the program. But, I mean, there is conflicting evidence. Um, what about the, uh, you know, the, un- I mean, the Premier acknowledges that it's a it's an unfair advantage for those big box stores. And the mayor of Mississauga, you pointed out yeah. that most of them are multinationals. They're not our Canadian stores. What about that? You know, the government keeps saying we have $600 million in relief. Um, does no, that... That, that that's not going to answer that's not going to um, address the problem. It is not going to address the problem. And the issue is yes, it's unfair and it's unfair and unnecessary. I mean, it, it, if it was unfair but there was science that supported it, we would have to say yes, let's get at the funds. But there's not uh, sufficient f- money to address this for what the losses will be, and it's both unfair and incorrect. And the most recent science is saying that the issue is if you want to protect, it's shorter time in stores, so encourage shoppers, and and here's what the science that I am being told says. One, encourage shoppers to prepare before they go so they have a list, they're in and out. The more you can spread those shoppers over more stores, the better. The better for the shoppers, the better for the staff. Staff in stores should preferably be wearing uh, a mask that is referred to as, it's you know, the blue mask. It is a surgical mask. We're just switching over all our staff because we've just learned that data to the blue disposable masks, which are better for staff than cloth masks. And that the issue is for sure that you don't want people in the store for long. So, um, and, and if possible, uh, testing. And we know that the government has those instant tests, the, the ones that don't require going to a lab. You'd want to be doing more of that instant testing. So um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful to you. And what we want to do is come together and try and both address the health, but also the, 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 the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of retailers who are just being devastated at this time of year. Okay. Uh, just finally, uh, uh, quickly, Heather, I mean, the Premier's basically said no, so uh, where, where do you go from here? What are you doing? We, we, we are not um, going to give up. We, we, we feel that our, our role is to try and um, make sure that this, this additional science is added to the pot so that the best decision can be reached. Okay, Heather Reisman, CEO of Indigo Books and Music. Thanks so much for being with us. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, so um, what is the evidence about the effectiveness of the lockdown and other measures? As I mentioned yesterday, for the first time, I heard the Premier say that there's a safety benefit to doing one-stop shopping in a single place, like a big box store is safer than visiting multiple stores. 
What the health table's uh, trying to do is limit the, the amount of visits that you're out there. So I'll, I'll give you an example. If you're going to one of the big box retailers, it's kind of the one-stop shop. And I know it's not fair, believe me. I, I, I know it's not fair. But it really limits people from going out and making four or five, six stops on the way home uh, to pick stuff up. Okay. So... Is there evidence for that? Let's bring in Dr. Timothy Sly, an epidemiologist and professor at the School of Occupational and Public Health at Ryerson University. And Zach McCarthy is a PhD student in the Faculty of Science at York University, and he's worked on that study that Heather referenced that shows that lockdowns are effective. Thank you for joining us, and welcome to you both. Good afternoon, Libby. Hey, thank you very much for having me. Okay, well, let's start with Dr. Timothy Sly. So yesterday, the Premier said, yep, one-stop shopping is safer than going to multiple stores. Is there evidence for that? I think that's another one of the uh, false dichotomies that we were faced with quite repeatedly from uh, the political branch. Uh, I can, I can describe quite easily whereas a large box store, if it's not managed properly, and if you get too many people in there and they're too densely packed and they're not wearing masks and so on, would be far more dangerous than going to a small store that's well managed and, 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 and the converse as well. If you pack them into the small store and they're not taking the precautions and masking and distancing and hand hygiene and so on, that could be more dangerous than the box store that is separating people. So it's not as easy as, as what has been stated. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 to me, it seems to make sense that uh, a, an owner-operator of a small store with two people in it would have an easier time enforcing, say, the mask rule than than one of, you know, many salespeople at a big box store who possibly isn't that invested in it. Yeah, I think that's true. I think that it'd be probably easier to manage a small number of clientele in your store at any one time, if it's a small store, than it would be to manage a, a couple of hundred people in a very large store. But it is the management that's the important thing. That's where the variation is going to take place. It, either one of them could be managed very well and reduce the risk down to as low as possible, or either one could be careless and increase the risk to an unacceptable level. But isn't it, uh, I thought, time of exposure was also a factor. So if if you're in a big box store doing one-stop shopping for a longer time than being in a small store, uh, you know, buying one or two things, isn't that a factor as well? Yeah, the time of exposure, length of length of uh, exposure has been found to be one of the six C's that contribute to uh, a transmission. So anything more than about 15 minutes Exposed, but then again, look at the denominator. The denominator is going to be the actual volume of air. If you get a a large box store the size of a uh, like an air, aircraft hangar, you could have two or three hundred people in there at any one time, and the amount of uh, uh, it's like density of bodies per cubic meter is still going to be uh, smaller than in a small store. So it can work either way, Libby. Okay, let's bring in Zach McCarthy. Hi, Zach. Hello, hello. So uh, what does your study show? It, it said the lockdown reduced transmission or contact by a factor of 46%. Right. So I can briefly outline our study. 
so we conducted a study about the first wave of the Ontario uh, COVID-19 epidemic. The sense is that the measures that were put in place, so we had a school closure, state of emergency, and distancing advisories, and the non-essential workplace closure. So what we found is we estimated uh, that these uh, interventions were effective in driving the reproduction number below one, uh, and this was in April. And this was achieved through a reduction in the contacts that each individual makes on average from slightly above 12 per day to just under seven. And a majority of these contacts later taking place in the household before the reopening. When you say contacts, that means actual people you come in contact with? Right, on a daily basis. Hmm. Uh, This was, of course, before we had a mask mandate. Yes. So the masking for uh, for Ontario was, I believe, in July, which was later on. Uh, so what is your conclusion from that? Is, the, is there anything that you can extrapolate from that about, say, whether it, it makes sense to do one-stop shopping versus the lots of different or a few different stores? Right. So... We really need to, to limit our contacts. And, but I, what I would also like to add is that, um, so Dr. Sly was absolutely correct that the, uh, see the scenarios in these establishments is also an important factor to consider. So, uh, we need to keep distance. The hygienic measures need to be put in place. The adequate management. Uh, you know, compliance with the store's guidance are all really key factors, and these need to be weighed uh, appropriately. So in close consultation with the uh, guidance of the government uh, is really key for, for, this, for this item. Okay. Hang on, everybody. I'm going to take a couple of calls. Let's go to Helen in Mississauga. Hi, Helen. Oh, hi, Libby. Uh, I just wanted to say... Um, I feel kind of sorry for the politicians out there. I think it's a it's a, a cross between money or health, and I can understand that the small businesses want to open, but it's another hard thing to do because, I, like, I'm near Streetsville, so there's lovely little shops, and I know that people are good at watching who comes in and out. But if they let them open, but yet they keep the mall closed because there's a lot of contact inside a mall, how is it that the little guy with the shoe shop on Main Street can be open, but yet in a mall they can't be because there's too many people? So it's it's a hard, it's a, the whole thing is a hard concept for, you know, trying to be fair to all the small businesses as well as, you know, they're not, I mean, they're acknowledging that it's not fair. Yeah. So yeah. I guess it's, uh, it's, it's just a matter of, of trying to figure out what the best thing to do is. Helen, but yeah, I mean, uh, nobody is saying they have an easy job deciding oh, no. this stuff. Like, I think they're damned if they do and damned if they don't, because there's a lot of people that are really uh, hyped up on the health issue, but yet there's a lot of people that want a Christmas shop and want to, you know, the stores want to open, and and it's sad, it's a shame for them. I have my husband and two sons, they've all lost their jobs. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. Yeah, it's just, and my son had to sell his 
condo because he couldn't afford to keep up the payments with what he got. Uh, you know, but it's just, it's the sign of the times. But, um, but as far as the small stores go, you really feel sorry for them. But I just don't know how you can do it fairly and how can you police everywhere. Well, exactly. Um, Helen, uh, I want to wish you and your family all the best. These are obviously very tough times. And and, uh, hopefully you have a happy holiday. Yes. Well, you do. You know what? It's the health. Yeah. We've all learned this now. It's not about the money and it's not about the gifts. It's the health. Thank you very much. Important. Thank you very much. And you and yours, I'll take care and have a good holiday. Thank you. Okay. Uh, Let's get a quick comment from Pat in Toronto. Hi, Pat. Good morning or good afternoon. Uh, We're assuming that this uh, is all being communicated properly. I'm not sure everybody believes everything that comes from the Premier. And so wouldn't the best thing be to have other people involved and understand how the decisions have been made? In other words, bring in Mayor Tory, bring in Mayor Crombie, bring in a couple of outsiders to un- outsiders with expertise to understand, because then they can say, we've looked at this, we understand why this is being done. Because otherwise, many of us are frustrated because we don't understand why some of these things are being done or other things aren't being allowed. Um, Pat, Mayor Tory, Mayor Crombie, the Premier, they talk to us for hours every single day, at least some of them. Uh, so I think, part, I think part of the problem is that there are too many people making these decisions, and, and some of them, you don't know where they come from, but uh, I think there's maybe too much information as opposed to not enough. But that's just me. Fair enough. Okay, thanks, Pat. Okay, Dr. Sly, so um, do you have a, a clear idea of what the right course would be if it, if it comes to with, with regard to these businesses? Well, a clear idea, uh, Libby, depends on so many other factors. But, you know, Pat has just brought up a really good point here. Uh, and I, I assume Zach is working with uh, Professor Wu's uh, team up at uh, York. And that's the kind of information that we've needed much more of. Uh, Lindsay Marr at uh, Georgia Tech uh, and people like that who are giving us the kind of solid evidence of where the transmission takes place, how it takes place, the rate at which it takes place, the factors leading to it. That's what we need to be looking at. The, uh, the other false dichotomy, of course, is the stuff that we've spoken of before, and that is this fact that you, it's, it's quoted as either, either the economy or health, you know, we've got to put a focus on one or the other. And that's a false dichotomy completely, because unless you take care of the virus, then we won't have an economy. We'll have hospitals collapsing simply because they've got patients dying in the corridors and they're telling other people to go away at the front door. We've got to control the virus first, and that means you've got to stop the transmission. And the stuff that Professor Wu's doing at York is contributing to that. It's showing us where the transmission is taking place. If you can stop enough bodies per cubic meter in there, whatever it takes, let's do it. Limit the contacts. Limit the continued exposure. Limit the uh, uncovered, uh, you know, unmasking kind of... uh, Limit the... uh, uh, 
coughing, sneezing, shouting, yelling, singing, talking, that kind of stuff if you in, in an office environment. All these things are going to contribute to the to the uh, reduction of risk. Uh, and Heather Reisman brought up the fact that the study, Zach, your study was done before there was a mask mandate and the situation would be different now. Do you agree with that? Yes, masking. I didn't hear all of what Heather said. I just brought in the last few seconds. But in general, what we know now, we can actually put numbers on it. For example, if if you and I uh, say I'm infectious and we are talking to one another at about two, two and a half meters apart, if, uh, if you're infectious and I wear a mask, I've reduced my risk by about two, twofold. If uh, you're infectious and you wear a mask, then my risk has now gone down to about three to fourfold. If you're infectious and we both wear a mask, the risk has now gone down to almost vanishingly small. And if we distance even further out, it'll actually go down to virtually zero. So we can put some numbers on this now. Masking is absolutely essential. Without that, we really, distancing is even more essential. But of course, we've still got a function. We've still got to meet up with people. We can't all work at, say, five meters distance. That just doesn't happen. So masking is essential. Um, yes, but uh, is it enough to um, let stores stay open? It's it's one of the factors. It's probably one of the most important factors. But, if, for example, yeah, if you had a large store, like a large supermarket or a large box store of some kind, and you regulated the number of people going in there, and you make sure it's hand hygiene, and they're all wearing masks, and they kept the distance from themselves, especially when they're waiting for the cashier, and so on and so on, and you wait surfaces down, you can manage that well. You've got done your due diligence, and you're probably at the minimum risk. It's not zero risk, but a minimal risk. And the same thing you can, you can have in a small shoe store or a small corner store if you control the number of people. Maybe there will only be two or three clients in the store at any one time in that small store. But again, well managed with all those factors in place, and you've reduced your risk down to a minimum uh, minimum due, due diligence that you can possibly do. You can do it both ways. Okay, and, and Zach McCarthy, what would you like to leave us with? Yeah, just a few, a few comments. So I completely agree with uh, Dr. Sly that this is an area of active research and more work uh, really needs to be done here. And in terms of reopening measures, I would just like to note that uh, so the study that uh, was referenced from us um, really can be used also to weigh different reopening measures. So how to uh, relax the current measures in a way that is uh, uh, smart, so to speak. In other words, informed by uh, the evidence about what we know. And I also think there's some, just as a side note, uh, given the scenario, I think what we as individuals can do is uh, really take the opportunity to, you know, regardless of the science, is to support these local establishments. You know, if we have to order online, I think that's a, uh, that's a great option. Um, th- these would be the main items that I would say. So, you know, a, a lot of this comes down to personal responsibility. So it lies within the public health system, but also uh, the individuals, so the public. So we can choose to take uh, to make contacts that will be essential ones. Okay. 
Thank you so much, Zach McCarthy and Dr. Timothy Sly. Appreciate your insights. Pleasure, Libby. Anytime. Okay. Great. Thank you. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.